Down at 10. Pick it back. Here comes the rush. They've got him sack number one. Hassan Reddick for five and a half of the season. Wow. Mahomes looks to throw it. Pump faking right side. He wants it. A comeback cut. It is caught by Kelsey. Touchdown, Kansas City. One of the greatest duos in the history of the National Football League. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into Canton Bound. This is going to be episode 9. And today, one time only, just like we promised last time, we got two special guests, Campus Canton's own, Matt Bruning, Felix Sharp, joining Adam. But first off, Adam, here's a partner on this show. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? What's going on, man? I'm, uh, I'm excited. Canton Bound, Campus to Canton. It was a while ago, it feels now, but two expos ago when we all got to meet, we talked about, you know, having a collab. We were, Mike and I just happened to be, you know, extremely late to the uh, actual expo festivities. So didn't get a chance to do it then. Fast forward to over a year from now, we got the fatal fetal four way, man. We got us all here. I'm excited for this one. I've been waiting for this one for a while. Hell yeah. Felix, how you doing, buddy? Matt told me to never get you on the South Harmon Spotlight series. So I'll start with you first. Uh, I don't know why he would say something. I hope y'all don't expect. I hope y'all don't expect me to talk about the NFL tonight because uh, we're gonna. This is gonna be a struggle. This is gonna be the struggle bus the whole way if if uh, if that is the expectation. I'm gonna have to defer all my questions to Matthew. That's the first time I've ever heard that before. You're gonna defer something to me? (laughs) Holy crap! I was gonna say I listened to all the podcasts. I'm not deferring shit to you. Now I'm never. I I was lying. Lying through my teeth. Matt, how you doing tonight? I'm I'm ready for uh, I'm ready for all of us to get shirtless. Everybody, everybody, listen. This is going to be a little bit jealous because <laughs> they don't get to watch this online. And yeah, no, I'm just I'm ready ready to have some fun. Uh, it'll be a hell of a TikTok at the end, won't it? <laughs> just four shirtless dudes that nobody wants to see shirtless. Maybe Felix, maybe Felix, maybe nah. they want to see you shirtless. I know for me, they definitely don't. And yes. why are you hating on me, Matthew? Why because are you hating? Something yeah, I Adam, hear the Adam and Mike probably don't know this, but when we first started out Debbie Debate, we were live on Twitch all the time, and we would get what I would probably say were probably porn bots in our comments, and they were always talking about how hot Austin was. I never mentioned you, and those are porn bots. I mean, come on. I don't think anybody wants to see you shirtless. I'm just just, just being honest. I've seen it many a times. It's not that great. Many a times? What kind of? What are you insinuating? You show up to a lot of meetings shirtless. That's what I'm. I'm not insinuating. I'll just let Ma- say Matthew it. You show up sounds, to a lot of meetings shirtless. Matthew sounds kind of scorn. Like I've seen it many a times. It's not that great. Like that sounds kind of like some X-worthy stuff right there. You know. I mean, look, I'm not gonna deny Felix is in better shape than me. I'm gonna <laughs> beat him in a race at some point when I get up to Canton. He doesn't avoid me and just race Austin, but he's he's definitely in better shape. Upper body. I will give you a from a now from until the end of time. To get yourself Don't duck ready me to then. beat me in a race. Don't I'm duck not... me. You knew I wasn't going to be there at the time. And you're like, Austin, let's go. Matt's going to be here any minute. I sent you guys text messages. It's like I'm five minutes away. Austin, let's go race. Let's go. That's and, not true. And that is, that true. is not true. It's 100% true. You guys were racing as I was walking down toward the field. Okay. Yeah. Well, welcome into the the Dr. Phil edition. <laughs> get him out. <laughs> Off on a good note. No, what I wanted to talk about tonight is we have two C2C experts along with two C2C noobs, me and Adam being the noobs. Uh, I will give you guys your flowers as experts. But listen, Adam and I are big best ball players. And I think, at least for me, playing in C2C leagues is probably left best for best ball for us. But it's something that I have a passion for, so I kind of wanted to get a good feel. Let's have a good discussion tonight about if you're going to start up a new C2C best ball, what should the settings be like? And then what are some of the strategies that should go into play? So, Matt... Let me ask you. I, I've been having to uh, convince you over the years about the uh, the glories of best ball and the time management. And in the college game with the, the way the injuries are and you don't ever really hear anything until you go, oh, shit, this dude actually isn't playing <laughs> or he's actually hurt. 
I think best ball format for the college side definitely lends itself. But if you had to start one today that was going to be a best ball, like what are some of your ideal settings as far as like roster depth, how deep it's going to be? And then the one that always seems to come up is like, what would a waiver schedule for college look like? Is it going to be a weekly thing? Is it going to be every couple weeks? Like what would your prefer? So if I'm doing a best ball league, which I will agree with you, I've kind of come around on. I was very much against this. I actually think we did a talk about this on Debbie debate maybe a year ago. And I believe me and Felix stood pretty strong on best ball uh, sucks. It's it's kind of become a thing where I, I actually really enjoy it. For instance, I was just setting a bunch of my college rosters right now as this show started because I kind of forgot games are uh, kicking off and uh, I was going to not be setting rosters. So it's a good thing if you're doing that in best ball. Roster-wise, I think 40 to 45-man rosters is fair. I personally like deeper starting lineups. A lot of the ones that like Felix and myself are in with what I, I don't know if you would call them experts or people that we want to compete against. We typically try to do three, at least three quarterbacks. I know Chris Moxley is sick in the head, and he likes to do not just three quarterbacks, but also two tight ends. I'm, that's a little too crazy for me because tight ends, I mean, you can find like maybe three good ones for an entire season. But I like to have maybe four or five flex spots on top of at least two running backs and three wide receivers. But I think with the 45-man rosters, the deeper starting lineups you can go, it makes it a little bit more challenging, especially if you're going to do best ball. If you're doing that in a lineup league, I get if you don't want to go that deep, but if it's best ball, they're going to throw all those players in there for you at the end of the week. Why not make it a little bit more challenging and make your starting lineups a little bit deeper? When it comes to waivers, I'm very curious to hear what uh, my cohort has has to say about that because he's kind of flip-flopped back and forth about his opinion on waivers after he realized he couldn't dump a player he picked up. I can't remember who it was. It was a quarterback that ended up not playing um, that he, he didn't want on his uh, Fresno. Fresno, uh, he got beat up by Mikey Keene. Don't remember the guy's name because he doesn't matter, but his boy Jake Hayner said he was going to be the starter there, and then he can't drop him anywhere because he's not. he doesn't believe in waivers. I think, to me, the best version of it is you, you either go two ways. You either go complete just waivers all season long. No, no amount. You can unlimited ads. You have a certain fab budget that you can do. So once you run out of that, you run out of moves, but you can do 10 if you can fit it in. However, I personally like the four waiver rule. You can make those at any point in time of the year. You get $1,000. You can make your four moves whenever you want. You can make all four of them in week one if you want. You can wait till the end of the year. Typically, what I've seen for the most part in the college game is those first couple weeks are more crucial. You don't really have as many players breaking out toward the end of the year, but that is where I do like having the unlimited waivers because a lot of those – I'm only in two leagues that have that, but what I do, and I know Austin does this as well. I, I don't know if Felix does. I'll start going and grabbing these guys that are slowly breaking out or maybe some freshmen that people haven't been paying attention to and just kind of stash them on my roster and dropping seniors that I know are not going into the NFL or players that I know aren't going to be going anywhere next year and just kind of loading up on some younger guys. So th those are the two that I prefer. I don't like the no waiver rule because I've played in leagues like that, and I, I got lucky in one last year where I beat Shane Hallam to win a championship, but I had eight quarterbacks on my roster and it was a no waiver rule, and literally seven of them got injured. And so I had to go into the championship game. I think the pot was $900, and I was playing with only one starting quarterback, and luckily the other quarterback played, and he got me a whopping six points, and I think I beat Shane by like 10, but his starting quarterback, Daquan Finn, who I know you're a fan of, Mike, he got injured in that week last year, and he got a negative, I think he got negative four points because he got like sacked and fumbled and then got hurt. And that's what kind of screwed Shane because if he had had his other quarterback and he'd have beat me by like five points. So I personally like having waiver rules because at that point I would have been able to make a move to try and get some quarterback. And you just you mentioned it with the injuries and everything it is very kind of hard to tell with college football. So I prefer at least unlimited or four waiver moves a year. All right, Felix, you listen to Matt and uh, he threw a couple of shots at you. But what would be your I didn't ideal even do setup anything. if you were going to I do didn't a do a ball? damn thing. <laughs> My ideal setup would be three quarterbacks. Um, because I like having, you know, some Debbie stashes and some CFF guys. So, you know, the, the kid from Arkansas state, uh, Jalen Raynor, you know, you can start him, you can start, you know, your favorite Matt quarterback, your favorite, uh, mountain West quarterback. And, 
it really gives you a little bit of an investment in all of college football. And that and that's what C2C is. It's like if you if you would stop and watch a football practice because you love the game when you drive when you're driving down the road, that's what C2C is for you. It's we're recording here on a Tuesday night. And um Conference USA is playing tonight. Liberty and West Virginia are playing tonight, and I'm watching the game right now as we're recording this. So um, definitely three quarterbacks so I can get a little bit of Debbie action in there, a little bit of um, of CFF action in there. I think um, – what else would I have? the On the waiver issue, I think if, 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 if we're playing for new players, waivers should definitely be limited because players come on really strong um, – in the middle of the season, kind of out of nowhere. And it can be hard to catch that cycle of news. Players like Jalen uh, Royals at uh, Utah State, um, Kevin Concepcion at, at, at NC State, uh, Travion Cooley at Liberty playing right now, like going gangbusters right now. And it can be hard to – I mean, where are you going to get this news from? If you don't get it from us, it's hard to get that news from, from a lot of places. So, you know, it's not like the NFL where, you know, by the time – Monday rolls around. How many waiver wire columns are there? How many how many uh, podcasts are there talking about who you should pick up on the on the waiver wire and you know whether or not you should dra- uh, pick up spend your fab on Zach Evans? Everybody knows that information. There's a level playing field. It's not really there yet on the college football side. So I think that waiver claims should probably be limited in beginner leagues, probably like four. And it's going to suck because you're going to go through those waiver claims and then it's going to be, you know, week six and you really want Arliss Boardingham out of Florida, the tight end there, and you want to get him. You don't have a waiver claim. So you got to go trade, you know, a fourth round pick for somebody who has a waiver claim left so you can so you can get it. So mm. um, I think that those are the important ones for me um, is the, the having three quarterbacks and then, you know, probably for beginners limiting waivers. I'm trying to think of other ones, but I can't really think of anything else right now that I kind of just must have. I like that. Adam, you heard three quarterback is uh, pretty interesting. It's something I think we've tried on a dynasty league one time. We had three super flex spots, right? No actual quarterback spots, but three super flex spots and uh, a little bit nerfed quarterback scoring, but still very beneficial to have three quarterbacks. What about for you in the college side with our limited C2C experience and just the the abundance of uh, good quarterbacks out there, even if they are from the MAC, but at least for college fantasy purposes, they they put up some damn fantasy points that are pretty intriguing. What do you think about a, a three-quarterback league? Yeah, I th- well, I think it makes sense. I think um, I'd be curious if you guys have ever played in a higher. Just, I, I think of the scarcity of it, right? And you think about Superflex with 32 NFL teams, right? And you got 32 starters and you got two quarterbacks, everybody has to play. So in a 12 team, you know, you're looking at already you're pushing like 24, you're pushing the total number number of starters in the NFL. You look at two two quarterback league, right? We play in super flex. So we're we're starting now. Granted, in best ball, you could start all of them, like as many as you can make your lineup, but you're only going to be able to play each week 24 across your your leagues. And you're gonna have, I mean. I don't even know what what is the FCS total number of schools right now. One thirty one, thirty two. You're talking thirty three. One thirty three. One hundred thirty three starters every week, right? Like it just f- from a scarcity aspect, it makes sense. Now it probably is not ever going to be something where you can really like Mike and I try to do hoard because there's too many schools. You 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 can't start trying to hoard players that have absolutely no shot in the uh, the NFL, right? But to the just deep, the deepness of the field, I think it does make sense to at least do three. I'm I'm sitting over here just intrigued by the uh, the thought as they're talking. So that's just my initial thought on it. I don't know if there's any other things that they want to add to it. I I really like it from my standpoint. Just when I go and looked, we we did a uh, a one week waiver waiver run in our two leagues, and you know, kind of good and bad back and forth but when you go and you're looking at the waivers and the amount of quarterbacks out there and just like the last episode where we were talking about uh, some of the upper echelon quarterbacks and you know we mentioned exactly where they were in points per game in our various league formats and it's like they don't rank as high as you would think like for the weight they carry because there's a lot of guys from smaller schools who may not have the best NFL prospects that are up there but you don't want to see those guys just hanging out on waivers. Like we're we're playing a game on the college side to also win money. I mean, our pots are split. I think sixty forty NFL. Some of these are fifty fifty. 
you really want to entice like the college side to be just as competitive and just as demanding as the NFL side, which really leads me to my next question for you guys. When you guys set it up, like what is the, the payout structure? Like, do you do 60, 40, 50, 50? Uh, does it really matter? <laughs> like what, what, what do you, what do you really prefer? It's pretty much always 50-50, and I want to say something about, um, you know, it is 133 FBS F teams after we added uh, James Madison and Jacksonville State. Um, okay. You just never know which players are going to go from being CFF assets to high-value NFL players. So right off the top of my head, Zay Flowers stands out. Nobody, I don't think that anybody thought that Zay Flowers, you know, going into his last year at BC was going to be a first round NFL draft pick, but damn it, he was rostered. Another one now, he he has not turned out, but Sky Moore at Western Michigan University. There you go. I mean, was a wide receiver one for a long time. There are a lot of these players, and that's really like to me, that's like the next evolution that we need to solve is who are the players that are playing at the G5 level or lower power five that are going to get NFL draft capital and have the potential to be great. Quite frankly, uh, Devontae Walker looks like he's going to be one. Now, he's at UNC now, but we kind of saw this skill set at Kent State last year where you play Georgia, and you know how that defense was. And he's roused this dude from a G5 school running past everybody. Everybody's Nobody can get an angle on him. Like, that is going to be the next thing where we can put a stamp on, you know, Thomas Castellanos or um, I'm trying to think of a G5 player, uh, Malachi Corley, and say, hey, not only is this a CFF guy, but he's somebody that you could consider because he's going to get NFL draft capital. I have no idea what the question was, um, but there you go. I, I mean, do. Look, I'll look help at, you out. Look at just real quick. I'll just to, to that point, uh, Matt, I'll give it right to you. Is yeah. Look at Deontay Johnson, who's a, a Matt kid, right? I don't know what his prospects were, but th- this is a guy that gave you a top 10 NFL side season, right? Like th- to the point that you're making, I think um, rostering a lot of those, those receivers, um, that that might be able to break into that, but to your point, p- picking them out ahead of time is oh my gosh, I don't know that that that's next level thinking. So Matt, what what's your thoughts on it? I have no thoughts on that. We my track record on picking players is not great. I really thought that's where Felix was going with that whole Osborne uh, statement. No, I was I'm expecting I was expecting you know that there was a guy at BYU who nobody talked about named Zach Wilson who was a CFA. That's where I thought this was going. Zach so was Wilson, Ramondre Stevenson, Jameson Williams when he was at Ohio State. I mean, the list exactly. goes on and on. Yeah, 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 on and on and on. Such a great list. Um, yeah, it's 50-50. That's what I would go with. I think it, it it definitely levels the playing field on the college side because it does give you a reason to compete on that side. Because you're always going to have people in the leagues who focus on one side or the other. There's leagues me and Felix are in that there are people who focus solely on the college side, could care less about the NFL side. Funny thing about that is I think the people who did that are actually winning on the NFL side and not doing so well on the college side. But you also have that vice versa. You have those people who only care about the NFL side and they treat the college side like a Debbie pipeline. So I think having that 50-50 split makes it more interesting because then you have people, if you if you fall out a little bit on the NFL side, maybe you make those trades on the college side to be more competitive. At least you still have a chance to win a championship. You know, I think Felix has done this. I came close, but I have yet to be able to do it and win the college and the NFL side in one year. And that's just even sweeter because you sweep everything. But it's, to me, 50-50 is, is the better way to go. I came close last year. The Debbie so, Deep Light died. Leave. Shout out to uh, Brandon Lejeune. I almost won both sides on that, that one last year. I have a chance again this year, of course. That's impressive, actually. So let me ask you guys then. You guys have been playing C2C for a while now. You have quite a bit of experience in it. If the Let's say the pot is 50-50, right? We have everything set up perfectly in this hypothetical new startup that we're doing, which, Adam, if you know me, like this thing will be up and going like next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll, we'll have this one up, but... 50-50, it's split. Is it beneficial to load up on one side or the other? Like, is it a viable strategy to try to push all in on the NFL side or the college side? And the bonus question is, just sitting here thinking about it and thinking about our last episode where we were trying to talk dynasty value on some of these guys. Like, if they were in a startup draft right now on both sides, where would Marvin Harrison Jr. go? Where would Caleb Williams go? Like, where would some of these top prospects end up? Me personally, after doing that one, I'm like almost 90, 99 times out of 100, 
if I'm going to load up on one side or the other, I would rather load up on the college side because then I have multiple years to find those hidden gems, to find those hits. Kind of like you were talking about, Matt, surprisingly, the people who only care about the college fantasy football inevitably are really good rosters in the NFL side. So let me get your thoughts on it. Matt, go ahead. Kick us off. I think it's better personally to load up on the NFL side. Um, And I say that because we've also seen with some of the college players, even of late, I'll use my guy. I I got the jersey behind me right now, Justin Fields. Dude, there's a realistic shot. That dude's not starting next year for Chicago. And we thought he was going – I mean, he was a great – don't get me wrong, great CFF asset, great college asset. But we thought he was going to be, myself included, I shouldn't say we, I thought, he was going to be like a top 10 to 12 fantasy quarterback every single year and forever moving forward. I thought he was right there with T-Law. We see that more often than not going from the college game to the NFL game. That These guys just not panning out for whatever reason. I, I firmly believe it's more coaching than anything else, but some of that has to fall on the players. If you load up on the NFL side and you have those, the college side, you can win with just straight CFF assets. Like you don't have to have those those Debbie guys going in the NFL now. At some point, that's going to hurt your NFL team, and you'll probably have to make trades, or at some point, you'll rebuild your NFL side. But I personally would try and load up on the NFL side because I just think it's easier to compete. I mean, I've had teams, and I'm sure Felix has had the same thing, where you go through a season on the college side and you win like maybe three games. Your team is horrible, and then in a supplemental draft, you flip it, and all of a sudden you're competing, and you're right there in, in the thick of it trying to win it the next year. I did that in that league I was talking about with Shane Hallam. The team that ended up winning it, um, I can't remember what it was called. Um, what's that league called, Felix? I'm not in it anymore, but it's uh, the one the that GM stacks league? Yeah, the GM league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I'm not yeah. in it anymore, but call it out, and Felix is, is on it. I love that. Well, he's still in the league, I'm pretty sure. I, oh, I, got it. No, you're not? Okay, well, we both left it. I Look, I won and I left. Went, leave on top. I retired. Uh, but I uh, with uh, the GM league, like, it was – you were technically playing two, you had two teams. It was two teams, uh, college side and NFL side. So you were playing multiple people every single week. It was a very interesting league. I love the way the Shaq set it up. But the year before, I won like three games with that team. And I was able to flip it around in the supplemental draft and then end up winning the championship the next year. I think it's a lot easier to do that on the college side than it is the NFL side. So if I had to pick a side to load up on, it would be the NFL. Felix, what about you? What was the question? I'm sorry. <laughs> if is it a viable strategy to load up on one side or the other? And oh yeah, if yeah, you yeah. Did which side would you pick? Yeah, so it, it depends on um what's the word I'm looking for, like how macho you want to be, because some people think Austin think that it's weak to like try to load up on either side. You should always be trying to you should always be trying to win both sides, but the college side presents some uncertainty, right? And so if I can trade uncertainty for certainty on the NFL side, there are times when I'm going to be inclined to do that. Um, I've, I've done that in a couple of leagues. I'll just give you an example. So in one league I traded last year, I traded Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes, my team was that stacked. For, and another player, I think it was made, it made have been a supplemental first. For Kyler Murray before he got injured, Stephon Diggs and Nick and Nick Chubb. All oh, this was last year before they got injured. That made my NFL team like just like a juggernaut, you know. Mm-hmm. And so yep. it it feels really comfortable now. It, Caleb Williams is going to be a quarterback one. Marvin Harrison Jr. going to be the quarterback two. But even next year, are they going to score more than Kyler Murray and and Stephon Diggs? I may, I don't, that, probably not actually. So I've created myself for this window to just kind of run through my NFL team, and I traded for, for really good assets on the on the uh, NFL side. So I mean, it's it's personal preference. I have another league where I've kind of done the opposite, where I've gutted my uh, my NFL team. Really, the running back position. I traded Saquon Barkley. I said traded Jav- uh, Javante Williams. I traded. Um, Antonio Gibson, I traded, I forgot because I was a lot, I had a lot of good running backs, but, um, the, my wide receiver position was really, really weak. And I had to, I really needed to, you know, give myself a window by, by making my, my NFL wide receiver core a little bit better. So I focused on that and now I'm starting to turn it. I'm starting to turn it around. I've traded for, uh, Trevor Lawrence. I, I another one, another good example. So I traded Michael Penix Jr. Travion Henderson. Um, a supplemental first and Christian Watson for Trevor Lawrence, because I had, I literally had my only quarterback was 
was Zach Wilson. I had Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, and I thought I was going to be set for, you know, for, for a little <laughs> while. Well, I wasn't. So I traded for Trevor Lawrence. I got Jameer Gibbs on that team. I've got um, Josh Downs, Zay Flowers. And, I, oh, on my NFL team, I've got Keon Coleman coming. I've got Devontae Walker coming. There's another guy that I can't think of. So, you know, I'm trying to stabilize that situation there. Um, so it just kind of depends on, like, where you're at in stages. There are some leagues where, yeah, I am trying to win on both sides. But there are some teams where I'm like, you know what, my NFL team, and it's really where my NFL team is, like, kind of good. Kind like kind of, but I want to make it like a super, like a superpower, like just go nuclear through the whole league, where like I'm scoring 178 points, and the next closest person is scoring 120 or something like that. So, um, and then of course, did I win the league where I did that? No, because Kyler Murray got hurt, somebody else got hurt, and my team sucked. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it's just I, it's personal preference and whatever you think is fun for you. So. Mm-hmm. Adam, let me ask you as a as a guy last year in our first patron. Uh, C2C league loaded up on the college side. How'd that work out for you? Like loading up on the college side and was it just a misjudge of, of actually what scores fantasy points on the college side versus what we think has NFL potential? Like was was that where you went wrong or what's your opinion on that? Well, I mean, I think there's two, there's two big things on the college side and why the NFL side for me is also, uh, as these guys are saying where I would go. One is if you, so if you invest like Mike and I made a trade, in the startup, right? We traded, I believe it was my first three NFL side picks for his first seven or eight college side picks. Eight. Okay. Sure. So we, we decided from the beginning we we're going to pick the, the side. Uh, Austin probably hates hearing this uh, right now. He's cringing. But, you know, we, we decided to pick a direction that we wanted to try and win immediately. Now, when I did that on the college side, I think because I ended up going so extreme, which is just, if you know Mike and I, that's what we do. We try to play to the extremes of Dynasty. If we're going to do C2C, Debbie, we're going to play to the extremes as well. Doing that, right? So I had so many players, and you're only rostering so many. I had so many players that when you're drafting in the top eight rounds, you are drafting for NFL prospects, right? So just naturally, because I had, you got to think, I had 16 picks in those first eight rounds. So I'm drafting... All these guys that have, I'm thinking, are going to score fantasy points, but also are going to be NFL side prospects eventually. And I think when you do enough of that drafting, you'll miss. You just are going to miss. There's guys that we think are going to be first, second, third round receivers that aren't, right? Or there are guys that maybe get the draft capital but don't pan out in the NFL side. And then realistically, you can get the CFF assets that score more for the year but have absolutely no chance to go to the NFL side outside of rare scenarios like Felix was talking about earlier. So the, re the reason I wanted to walk through that, that is that when you think about the NFL side, you can almost lock down. I'm not going to say like uh, forever players, but you, if you could lock down, let's just say your super flex spot and quarterback spot in a two, in, a, in two QB, right? Let's say you get like a Trevor Lawrence type and you have another guy like Josh Allen, now that's going to cost you a ton, right? But if you can do that, like you can almost forego having to worry about having a, a quarterback come up through the college ranks and go over to the NFL side. You can just let your, that quarterback spot over in the college side be these guys that you pick up yearly that are going to get value and come out of nowhere, right? So I think the reason that I wanted to walk through all that is you can grind out this the college side if you are willing to, I mean, listen to you know Felix, Matt, all the guys at C2C here that give you as much as they can on these college side guys that come out of nowhere. If you, if you focus on doing it that way and you have a strong NFL side, I think that is something you can actually like continue to replicate versus you got to pick college kids that are going to be NFL players someday, not miss on those, have them score fantasy points, use all the roster spots there to me. Um, just, I guess because I did it that way, the first time I was in a league, I saw all the errors that I just spoke of. A little burnt, a little burnt. Maybe next time I'll give it a try, right? I, I'm I'm okay trying failed strategies too, just to you know. Yeah, sure. Sometimes you got to touch the stove to know it's hot. You know what I mean? Your mom can tell you, she can tell you that's hot. But you know, sometimes you got to put your damn hand on there to. Mike 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 <laughs> didn't see, Mike didn't oh, see any of the blisters it. I got. You know, he didn't see them. Nah, I, I didn't see them. They're your blisters, not mine. Next question I got for you guys. C2C versus Dynasty. So I, I generally have a good value or a pulse. And Adam, kind of the same thing on like what rookie picks, first round rookie picks are in traditional super flex leagues. On the C2C side, right, that pretty much becomes your supplemental draft. 
Now, for me as an outsider, and you guys can tell me if, you're, if I'm wrong, but I want to hear your feedback and your opinion on it, just looking at it as a newbie going into it. It feels like maybe the first and the second round picks are a little bit devalued traditionally from what a rookie first or rookie second would be in a, a traditional dynasty league. But every other pick from there on out, exponentially the value comes up. Like when I look back at our supplemental drafts for this first year going back, I'm going, man, that dude was a fourth round supplemental pick. Damn, can't believe he slipped that far. Or I got this guy in the seventh round. What a stud. Like you would never think of that on the on the, the NFL dynasty side, like a seventh round. The opposite round is true pick. though like, also, who? right? The opposite is true. Like you take Jerry on Dickey at pick 108 and you're like, dang, this dude ain't gotten a snap all season. So you know, it's uh, and and Darion Dickey. I mean, his comp was AJ Brown. He's six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounds. You see him playing seven different positions in high school. Like he's rushing off the end and just blasting quarterbacks. And he like he can't get on the he can't get on the field. So there's still some speculation, and it's it's Man, tough. That, that's such a good point, Felix. Like think about think about that for a second. Just uh, athletes or people that have thought about like the college side. Which one of these guys playing in a high-end Division One level didn't look like monsters in high school? They all did. They all damn did. Like, it's so hard to really, you know, you start to pick out traits and things that you think are going to translate. But even when you do that in a process play, you're going to miss, right? It's just the reality. I, I can probably comfortably say anybody on the Iowa offense Never look like a monster. Well, <laughs> they look and, like a monster in high would, school, but maybe not quite like uh, you know the the extreme guys. I get you. It's Iowa. I would say I would say that th that that's actually not true. And if you read the supp supplemental the campus Canton freshman and supplemental dry guide, excuse me, you can go to a couple of profiles. I can think of off the top of my head. We're just not afraid to flame players, and we've kind of been right on some of them. Relique Brown coming out of uh, uh, modern day, going to USC, a running back. Hakeem Williams this year, a guy who looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. Um, that, that's an outdated expression. He looks like Tarzan. Not, he plays not like culturally appropriate anymore. You can't <laughs> well, he's just—he's he, supposed to be this big possession guy, but you see him getting out physical. Yeah. Um, Mark Fletcher played at uh, Chimaday Medina down there in Florida. Uh, uh, another one of these players who doesn't play to his size. Um, uh, Tevin, nobody's going to remember this name. Tevin White at Arizona State, who had like just no juice to his juice to his game. We are not afraid to say yeah, this is not. Emmanuel Henderson was the RB two in that class last year. We wrote in the guide this guy's not a running back. What's he, what position is he playing now? He's playing wide receiver. I even got a DM after we released the supplemental guide said, "How can you guys not have?" Uh, Emmanuel Henderson in your in your first tier, like, well, because he's not good, he's not good, and he's and you don't even know who that is. You don't even know who that is. Y'all don't even know who that is. Most people don't even know who that is. So I, I would don't. say it's not. So yes, while while and he was the right behind Nick Singleton, he was the RB two in that class last year. So yes, while everyone shows you know like athletic traits, they don't necessarily throw show traits that always translate to productive college football or even you know, being an NFL prospect. And we are watching for that stuff. Sure. So yeah. a guy like a like Avery Johnson uh, at Kansas, at Kansas State, excuse me, he played his football in Kansas. Yeah. Somebody who scrambled all over the place, but did, but all of his throws are like near the line of scrimmage, um, uh, you know, at the line, at the line of scrimmage. You're like, okay, where are your opposite hash throws? Where are your nine routes? Where are your posts? Where are those types of throws that are you're going to make you stress the defense? We don't see them. I'm going to tell you that we don't see them on the field. So this is a guy, he's got, he's really athletic, but he don't show no quarterback tendencies. So, um, we are looking for that, for that kind of stuff when we recommend and we talk about and we discuss these players. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, and I've, I've seen it. You, you guys do, do, do a good job of pinpointing things that, you think are going to cause this player not to translate into college. And then obviously to the NFL side, um, I, I would say obviously that process is going to continue to evolve, but at the same time, you know, it's still, it's still probably one where you, you miss on both sides. Like it's not, it's very hard to pinpoint because some of these kids, they come from schools where they play in the level of competitions, absolutely dog shit too. Right. In, in high school. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not pretty. I think uh, when I did the, the spotlight show with Mike, I, I specifically mentioned Cameron Seldon, who 
if you look at him in our, our athletic database, I think it comes up with players like Barry Sanders. I, I don't remember all the, it's like a list of who's who that's ever played running back with, with who he pops up with. And the stadiums, if you can call them that, that he was playing on were like, corn all around the field one set of bleachers the camera looked like someone's home videos from the 1980s that was recording his stuff like the people he was playing you you had guys like me out there pudgy little white boys trying to tackle this this massive human being is what he was already at 18 years old like it's just there are guys like that but there are guys to california florida Georgia, Texas, who are Michigan's even kind of gone up there a little bit with some of um, the the schools that they've got up there. Dante Moore, and I don't remember who the is uh, Bryce Underwood, who's who's also known Bryce one Underwood, of the top yeah. quarterbacks in the nation coming out here in the next couple of years. So there's more and more states that have these upper echelon players. I don't think it's, if I'm being honest, any harder than it is NFL people trying to predict what rookies are going to be good. I think we see just as many misses on that side as we do on the supplemental side. Like there's traits that you look for and you go for. And I think what also gives you a little bit more of an out on the college side is you have players who have already proven it in the supplemental drafts a lot of times. So like you guys were talking about players that you got in the fourth, seventh round this year, Devontae Walker is not a good example because he was rostered everywhere. Cam Ward last year was a guy who was going first round in a lot of those supplemental drafts. Now, didn't help you out last year, but this year, dude's been on absolute fire. I mean, there's there's always going to be players like that that end up in, in these supplemental drafts that you can take that kind of bail you out if you don't want to go for those freshmen. But I, I don't think it's any harder than predicting what rookies are going to be good going into the NFL draft. If, just, if I, just to add... Just to add to what Matthew is saying there regarding level of competition, we've, I mean, we've done this for, it's funny, you do this for three years and you're like a veteran of the C2C game, but you've done this long enough. You know the difference between Texas 6A football and the TAPS division, the, uh, the Texas Association of Private and Parochial Schools there. That's where, that's where uh, Shador Sanders was playing with when Deion Sanders was, it was his head coach. Shador, that's there's, a, there's, a guy, there's a guy that you missed on there. He is. I knew he was Shador. bringing him up. Shador, yeah. Yeah, Shador. Shadour, that's why we kind of questioned whether or not his game would translate to the Power 5 level because he played at a lower level of competition in Texas, played at a lower level of competition at Jackson State, and then he's making the jump to, to Power 5. It wasn't, it wasn't, that's one of the reasons why we kind of questioned it. But anyway, right. you kind of learn like, you know, um, uh, Hunter Decker is also coming from either I, it's either Iowa or Kansas, one of those two states. He's like the, he, he leads, he has some records in, in one of those two states in high school football. And you learn that that's not the same as playing in Florida, California, Texas, you know, Pennsylvania has uh, really good areas of high school football. So it's just, it's something that you kind of, you, you know, you kind of look into and we've kind of developed connections. Like I've a, uh, uh, Alan true, a friend of mine at 24 seven sports. I'm like, Alan, I see this, this, um, uh, uh, Andrew Hall, it, what Andrew Paul, Andrew Paul from Georgia, uh, he's running through. He ran for twenty six hundred yards a senior year. Why do we never hear about this guy? Oh, because he's playing against schools that are essentially storefronts. Uh, there you go, and uh, you know that sort of thing. So that's cool. <laughs> like Bishop Sycamores. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you guys: supplemental draft, then, like I. Uh, we didn't really get a good answer on the question, though. But do you do you kind of feel like maybe the first round's a little bit more devalued or increased in value compared to a traditional dynasty league? So, if you're talking about the comparison to a dynasty league, I would say it's a little bit more devalued depending on the class. So the first round for NFL dynasty leagues, those picks are always going to matter. Those are going to be gold for dynasty leagues. If you're talking about, for instance, this coming class this year, we actually just had a call about the freshman class. We're getting ready to start working on our supplemental guide. And like none of us are really that excited about anything but wide receivers in this class. So if you were talking about this coming year, I would devalue the first round picks. We're even in a class where, you know, last year we're talking about oh, the quarterbacks. We don't really know. Like those first round picks were still highly valued because of three really good freshman wide receiver or three really good rookie wide receivers, the running backs coming out. Like there's always going to be, we we've talked about it. You guys, Ray, everybody, like there's going to at least be five to six players in most rookie classes that you want to have. Right. I think with the supplemental rounds, I prefer to go back to, to your original question before Felix went off on his tangent about drafting. I don't even know what he talked about with that. And then talking about name dropping Alan true and all this other stuff. 
I prefer, I think that the value comes in some of those later picks because people still value those first couple rounds so much that you can drop back, like say, hey, I'll give you my second round pick and get like a fourth and a fifth. And you're doubling up in those rounds and getting not only some freshmen that people will overlook, Quinchon Judkins was one that we we touted as a company that was going sometimes even later in that sixth, seventh round that a lot of people are just overlooking as freshmen. There's always that guy every year, but you're also able to get those CFF assets at that point because you can go, okay, I'm going to get a couple freshmen early and then tap those CFF assets to kind of rebuild my team to have them compete this year. So I prefer to try and actually trade those early picks if I can, especially if the class is not that good, where you're not doing that as much in Dynasty League. You're, you're trying to hold on to those first round picks. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're going with more of the almost uh, the teardown strategy that Adam yes. and I were talking about just yeah. a few episodes ago, right? Like I'm going to take one asset and turn it into, th- you know, one perceived really good asset and turn it into three pretty good assets. And then I'm just going to roll the dice on on multiple and, and probably be right more times mm-hmm. than not because I only need to hit on one of those guys that's and, even equivalent to, to the one I'm giving away. And, and to kind of, right. you know, Matt, Matt's throwing a shot at Felix every time I, I listen, it sounds like. But to, to kind of, you know, merge their points together, right? When you have – when you guys are grinding – the levels that you are, right? And you're hitting because your process is evolving. You're you're hitting more of these players down the line. When you have that type of knowledge and that type of like, I guess, uh, exposure across leagues to see it, how it plays out, like, man, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. On the college side, you can make more of those moves and just grind out more value if you have the NFL side more locked and secured because you, you trade that, you know, supplemental pick, you, you go down to – Shoot, you might end up with two players in, on the college side that are better than the one you might have drafted in the first round, you know, when you have the knowledge these guys do and that everybody at C2C brings. So I think that's a great point. Here's the downside for Adam and I, right? When we start up a C2C league, it's going to be with patrons. It's going to be with people that we know. What does everybody that we play with default back to? Rightfully so, campuscanton.com. They're going to your rankings. They're going to your tools. They're listening to your podcast. They're, they're watching your YouTube so it isn't like Adam and I get any type of edge at all, <laughs> right? They're going to the same exact playbook that we have. So it's interesting to see that maybe still, though, even if everybody's playing off the same playbook, there's a bunch of different plays in there where you could possibly go the other way, right? If you think you, you've you done a better job of identifying those top-tier talents in your supplemental draft, maybe you're the person who's loading up on first-round supplemental picks while everybody else is trying to do the teardown strategy, right? To do the the Matt Bruning. We're going to call it the Matt Bruning now. To do the Matt Bruning trade out of a subpar class into more middle round picks. Maybe you'll be the other person who goes, I know better than uh, I know better than Matt. I know better than Felix. I know better than Austin. I got this. I'm going to hit every one of these first rounders. So interesting that the C2C opens up so many strategies on both sides where, where Dynasty – to to be completely honest, Adam and I are in here talking dynasty strategy all the time. You know, this can't bound. This is what we talk about. We talk about it on our South Harmon YouTube page all the time. This is a new new avenue where it gives me a whole nother league. Like it's having two leagues in one where I get to implement whatever strategy I want. And I think that's what makes it so damn appealing as a format that I want to push and get more people involved in. Right? It's so damn exciting where I'm like yeah, you may know my dynasty strategy. You may know exactly what I want to do in the dynasty best ball because I've told you. But here, let's go to the college side. <laughs> I'm going to hit you with a fastball. Adam, here, take my first eight picks on the college side and let me get your first three NFL startup picks. Yep. And I may fail horribly, but that's how you learn and get better. Before we name any strategy, the Matt Bruning strategy, if it fails, I would like to name it the Felix Sharp strategy since he typically fails in his <laughs> yeah. leagues. Let's calm down. Let's not name it anything yet. Let's see how that evolves over the next couple of years. But I'll just tell you right now, I understand the TikTok I saw um, a little while back with uh, with Felix now. I like it. What do you got, Felix? Talk to us, man. He's right up on the screen. I wish you guys had video right now. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I'm losing my train of thought as to what I was going to say here. Um, I think – I think with regard to supplemental draft strategy, I kind of have the same perspective that I have with trading college players for NFL players is trading that uncertainty for certainty. And that's all And because look at last year's draft class. If you two years ago, if you would have said Kayshawn Boutte and Zach Evans and, and Sean Tucker are damn near going to go undrafted, people would have been like, 
you know, what the heck are you talking about? So while we think we have a good bead on what's going on, I have no idea if Travion Henderson in this year's draft is going to be an undrafted free agent. It could happen. I, after after being you know being considered the RB one for a long period of time, he's been speaking of a first round startup pick. Mike threw me, you know, Travion Henderson. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I don't know. I I feel like I was going to say something else, but I I forgot it. Matthew keeps taking shots at me, and it's just throwing me off. Got him on the. Room, I haven't man. said anything negative about you. I've never said anything. I've not said anything negative about you today. At least you know, today. not on the microphone. What I, not, what he, I, he corrected I it say, to, to today. Yeah, I like that. Today. today, you haven't seen our text messages. That that would completely, uh, oh. completely uh, speak oh. uh, untruth. That <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I have a better chance of taking Jennifer Aniston out on a date this year than Travion Henderson goes of un, being undrafted. Like, come on, that's a shot in itself, right there. <laughs> oh man, it's probably because so mine. Your, was, your boy is so. soft. Okay, he's soft. I am with a capital. <laughs> Right in the middle. I'm I'm looking at Matt right now. I think Matt stands to a decent chance in that in that fight. You know, <laughs> you know, you'd be surprised. I've 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 lost a lot of weight, been working out. Felix has given me some uh, some pointers. I'm not necessarily going to the gym and punching his face on a punching bag, but I'm I'm doing my own thing. So, you know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. So l- let me ask you two guys. Right on the topic of supplemental drafts, right? We have this hypothetical league we're setting up with 40, 45 roster spots in a best ball league. How many rounds would you set your supplemental to? Like, if this was your league to set it up, what do you think is the the proper amount of supplemental draft? Fifteen has always been the the number, you know, fifteen. So um, that's I I don't think I've been in a league that the freshman and supplemental draft wasn't fifteen. So. Okay. Yeah, I think that I like just that. seems to be the standard fifteen because you don't have to, for instance the chances of you losing 15 players to the NFL is probably pretty slim unless you did the trade that you guys did. And maybe all eight players that Adam yeah. had went right to the NFL that year. And yeah. then there was a couple more. So typically I think I would, I'd say probably on average, you're losing six to eight players. And if you want to cut more to get to that 15 mark, then you can do that. But I, I think 15 is a, it is a fair number. It's just kind of always been the standard. I mean, you can go more, I guess. I don't see a reason to go less. I, I don't, I'd find it very – Austin will tell you different because he's just so great at roster management and everything that he he never has these players he can cut to get to 15 players. I would imagine most C2C players, you've got enough players you can cut to get to 15. Yeah, I was looking at our uh, our supplemental draft, and, like, Dylan Edwards is a 14th-round pick in the supplemental draft. And it's like, what? <laughs> now looking at it in hindsight, but then I also think about the amount of players he that were on waivers. He should have been a 13th-round pick, because I don't know that he's had a great game since that, uh, right, that, that TCU game. That one game might be all that matters, <laughs> though. But that was that your boy. Game. That was your boy. I mean, anytime you can get like the, like one of the fastest players in the country. He he beat, he beat, beat he Nick beat Harbour me. in that yeah, race. Nick Didn't Nicole's he? Harbor, yeah. It's not even he was yeah, my he favorite did. player. I just think the write-up was just beautiful. If you read the write-up, it matches perfectly with what he's done. I said it's all going to be Money. because of Sean Lewis' system. That's exactly what it's been. I love it. I love it. So final question I'll get for you guys, and this really doesn't involve me or Adam at all. But uh, I, got one. I got one at the end, too. Oh, okay. Damn. That was the... <laughs> I guess we have the same question. Gotcha. Yeah, we got the same one. Do mind mind meld, man. We don't do can't bow to everything else together without having a mind meld. Shadur Sanders, where are we at? NFL future. What's it look like? Matt, go ahead. I want to hear this. I think he's going to be a very good backup for a very long time. That's just that's just the truth. He's he doesn't in my opinion, I don't think he has any trait that stands out to be an NFL quarterback. And I, I talked a lot about I wrote Shador up for, I, I, I want to say the Devi guide. And it was like four pages long because I went all in depth. Uh, Felix does this as well. I went in depth, like his backstory, everything. And then Austin cut everything out and made it no fun. But I think that the write-up still stands to what we've seen in that he is a very good player. And I said that I thought Sean Lewis was going to amplify what he does well, but what was going to hurt him is only having the one playmaker in Travis Hunter. On top of that, I don't think he has a Austin always says Joe Burrow's kind of the line of like arm strength. I don't know that Shador is as much better, if better than Joe Burrow's. I don't think he's a good pocket passer. I think he bails out of the pocket more often than he needs to. He's not an overly good athlete either. Like he, I do think, some people will say because of the name. I think he's a good enough quarterback. I, he, I've seen some decision-making that I think is well, but again, he's still got, I think, two more years that he can stay in college and improve a little bit more. 
I think with the talent he does has and what he has shown at Colorado, because I do want to give him credit on the fact that that is a bad team. Right. And he has still played very well for that. So you have to give well, him credit on that. That offensive yeah. line is small compared to the rest of that conference. They're not two stars, maybe three stars on that offensive line. So like, what he has done has been impressive. But I think because of Dion and the hype built around Colorado, I think he's getting more love than he should. I think at the end of the day, he'll be a quarterback that is going to be in the NFL. And I think he can be a guy that will start for you at times with, with due to injury, or whatever back and forth that will win you games on the NFL side. I don't see him being a franchise guy or a guy that's going to be like a starting quarterback long-term in the NFL. Um, so I want to, uh, what am I trying to say here? I think that we can have a tendency as evaluator. I'll never call myself an analyst because I don't work for the CIA or FBI. So um, as evaluators, um, I think that we can hold on to our priors about a player. So, and, and particularly time, with, time. yeah, particularly with Shador, people's per- perspectives of him are so swayed by whether or not they like his personality or Dion's personality or what it is that they're doing uh, there at Colorado. When you, when I look at him or try to look at him objectively, I ask whether or not he is answering NFL questions. Is he throwing, making NFL throws? Sometimes he is, you know, sometimes like, you know, against Nebraska, uh, Travis Hunter gets, uh, one-on-one coverage on the outside he runs like a 15 yard comeback. It's a very long throw from that right hash over to that left sideline and Shador puts it on the spot. That's an NFL throw. I want to see some layering over the middle, you know, over the linebackers in front of the safeties, that sort of thing. I don't know that he's always asked to do that. Um, I want, the funny thing is, is he was throwing deep more at the beginning of the season to Xavier Weaver and Travis Hunter. They seem to have like taken a little bit out of the, I don't know, Maybe because they're playing some, they're getting so much coverage that he, those throws aren't there. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I don't know that he is. First of all, that offense doesn't ask you to answer NFL questions because it's very much a dink and dunk offense, or it has been for him. You know, low, low ADOT type stuff. But he's he is answering the questions on the test. Very high completion percentage. You know, I think somewhere where he's not going to improve at all is that um, ability to avoid pressure and kind of be, you know, what you see from Anthony Richardson, what you see from um, Tony Romo, what you see from Justin Fields. I don't think Shador Sanders is ever going to have the ability, if he's got Miles Garrett bearing down on him, that he's going to be able to spin out of a tackle and escape. He's just not that dude. So all that being said, is he an NFL player? Yes. Is there anything that I've seen from him that would lead me to believe that he's a number one overall pick like I've heard? Absolutely, positively not. And quite frankly, the people who are saying that, they wouldn't say that if his name was Joe Jones playing at, you know, um, another HBCU like like Howard or, uh, I don't know, something like that. So, sure. um, so, you know, everybody's perspective on him is really – charged and you can't trust anybody you can't trust anybody when it comes to Shador Sanders evaluation at least in my opinion so um I think he is an NFL player I don't think that he's ever a guy that if you're playing dynasty fantasy football that you're going to be like oh I'm spending the 102 on this guy I don't think I could be wrong I've been wrong a lot you know I've been wrong I've been wrong I said you know I I saw Zach Wilson at BYU I'm like "Mm, this dude's gonna be a good NFL quarterback he ended up being drafted 102 but hadn't been um uh, you know, a good NFL quarterback. So, um, you know, we win some, we lose some. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to your point too, they, uh, when they, when they won that game at TCU, I think the the buzz that happened, there was already a ton of buzz around the situation. Right. But from that moment on, the buzz just became so ridiculous that I do think it does make um, filtering out noise almost impossible to your point. Right. With the situation and, like the, the priors point that you make, I, I think is such a great point in general about whether it's, you know, C2C, Debbie, Dynasty, because people do get take lock. I, I don't care what level you are, whether that's you're, you know, casually playing, you're playing in a, at a bunch of leagues, you get take lock. And I think for me, at least one of the best ways to find out how to get rid of take lock is to be like, man, my take that I was locked in on was absolutely wrong. And it was trash. And it starts to help you get out of some of your take lock. And, um, to your point, when you look at it on, on bias, exactly. it is 
Sorry. <clears throat> what was that? Sorry, Matt. Sorry, it's a, it's a little tickle. Yeah. My yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's all good. It happens. It happens for sure. Um, but I mean, the, the Shadur thing, I think, is uh, it, it is interesting to see. I, do you guys think that he will end up getting first round draft capital? Because Felix, I agree with you 100. There's no way the number one pick is just. I think that's crazy to even say. But do you think he can get first round draft capital? I guess is uh, my, would be my last question for on this topic. You know, how do you feel about players like uh, Carson Strong, uh, Michael Penix? I, I won't even put him in Michael Penix Jr.'s conversation because they didn't have as strong of arm. Uh, Kurt Cousins coming out of college. Um, Jared Goff. Like, I think that he exists on the spectrum of those players. One of those players that I mentioned was the number one overall pick. True. Jared in, Goff, in, yeah. in, Jer in, in Jared Goff. So, you know, there's a chance that he's a, a first-round pick, but I don't think that I would really – like bet on it because he is he is severely limited athletically and you can even see it every once in a while when he takes off like he just doesn't have any get up and that's when he takes off to run like i'm more concerned about like stepping up into the pocket and, and avoiding pressure and that and that sort of thing you know to extend plays even if you're going to the sideline or not and i just don't like throwing on the run i don't know that he's great in that respect, throwing on the run, mm -hmm. um, he's he's kind of like he's a pocket passer. It's 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 weird to see that because we remember Deion Sanders and him returning punts and playing wide receiver and quarterback or wide receiver and cornerback and and you know hitting home runs and, and getting inside the park uh, home runs. And I think that some people's perspective might skew how they see Shador Sanders. Shador Sanders is like a you better have a really good offensive line. Give him five seconds to throw the ball. That's where he's best. Yeah, and. And you know, I what are I, the the dynasty community doesn't really like these pocket passers, but but for some reason we like Shador Sanders. So he's he is limited in that in that respect. Can he be a first round pick? Maybe, but I need to see him. I need to see him like next year really stress defenses vertically. Michael Penix Jr. is a pocket passer. But damn it, he's throwing the ball 25, 30 yards down the field every time he drops back. He's putting stress on defenses. It was the same for Carson Strong. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of another like just pure drop back passer. Uh, to be honest, uh, uh, Dante Moore in high school, Dante Moore, who's now at UCLA, is like the number two quarterback in the class. He was that way. He was like somebody who could just frustrate defenses in the, in the seam, um, you know, get the ball out quick and play a game manager type game. And that's kind of what some of these pocket passers are. Um, so, you know, he's got a great mentor in Tom Brady. I mean, he's always tr trading with Tom Brady. You can kind of see some of those. He moves like Tom Brady. He actually moves, you know, at least, uh, uh, you know, when he's running, he looks like, to, like Tom Brady. So. Yeah. T Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady too. Dang. Not a, yeah. Not Tampa Bay. That's true. So, um, if he's going to do it, I would say it's next year's class. I, I don't see, you know, he, he's not going to be up there with Caleb and Drake. What scares me about next year's class is there's nobody that stands out. I mean, I think Drew Alora is the best quarterback in that class, but James Franklin, that offense isn't doing that kid any favors right now. And, and yeah. so he's not playing well. I mean, outside of that, it's Cade, maybe a guy like JJ McCarthy or Quinn Ewers, if they come back, like, I think he's got a shot maybe in that 2025 class because that that quarterback class right now just doesn't look good. But you know, I just don't know that a team would take a chance on him being a first-round pick. Like, if you look at what the NFL has done lately, there really seems to be only really taking those chances on guys like an Anthony Richardson who is just special athletically. I mean, you go back two classes ago, they didn't take a chance on any of those quarterbacks. It was just Kenny Pickett and – at least Kenny Pickett had mobility. Like I, right. I, you know, Shador doesn't have anything close to that. So I would be surprised if he ends up being a first round pick. I think it's a better shot that he is a day two guy. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like an early round two, because I want to be honest. And now I feel like I'm just taking shots at everybody here. Like I think, you know, you could make the argument. He's a better overall quarterback prospect than Will Levis, who went in the second round last year. So like, I would not be surprised if he goes, sorry, Mike, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the second round, um, in 2025, but like first round just seems like a stretch to me. Even because, like I said, if, if you guys like JJ Quinn go back, and, and I think they're even both questionable as first round picks, you might only see a Drew Alar go in the first round of 2025, and then maybe a Shador goes in the second, and like, hey, let's just see 
what this kid can end up doing. So I, I would be shocked if he went first round. He he's a better quarterback prospect than Will Levis, but Will Levis was more athletically <laughs> gifted. That's the that's kind of the that's that's the problem. Like I don't know how to reconcile those two things. Like if 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 Will Levis had Shador Sanders' mind, I think that he would have been a first round pick. Sure, but he didn't. So yeah, I, I mean. I I would say absolutely to your guys' point, though. Um, Shadur Sanders does not have a upside presence to his athletic traits. And I think both for the NFL, the NFL is starting to move more and more towards we want guys that can, like to Felix's point, uh, have good pocket awareness. They can escape the pocket when it breaks down. Like that's a benefit. But they also want people that can run and maybe they even can design runs here and there. Like he doesn't offer any of that. And I think even when you move into Dynasty, right? Like you're you're saying that his ceiling, if it all hits right, is maybe you know a, a middle to a middle to high end quarterback too, probably. So um, to that point, I think one thing for me anyway, I don't play in a lot of the leagues, but in my leagues uh, that I do have him, I'm 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 probably going to see if I can get more certainty on the NFL side from him because right now, because of the name buzz, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent um, associated with him because of pop and because of the Colorado situation. So it, it's, I think it's very good time to actually um, see what you can sell Shador for currently in C2C and Debbie leagues too. I like that. I'm, I'm right there with you. And I'm looking at, I just Googled NFL quarterbacks to see who I would trade them for. So, um, and it brought me like, it's showing me Ben Roethlisberger. So let's click on 2023. <laughs> so um, would you trade him? I mean, I would trade, I'd probably trade him for Matthew Stafford, depending on where I was. I'd probably trade him. It's showing. It's not showing me a list. This, this is why um, Felix said at the beginning of the show, "Don't ask him NFL questions." You are definitely not trading yeah. Shador Sanders for Matthew Stafford. Here, let, let's uh, let, I, let's hey. pull up. Let's pull up some uh, quarterbacks here. Let, let's do it right, right now. All right, so let's go with uh, what about Jared Goff? I don't. Can you even get that yes. done? One yeah, one? I would. I don't know if you could do it I, one for one. I would do that. I would. You would take Goff, right? Yes, okay. Yeah. I think we got to go a little lower down the list. What about Kenny Pickett? We were talking Kenny Pickett a second ago. <laughs> I mean, he's a starter <laughs> in the NFL, <laughs> so I guess so. But I don't feel great about uh, it. I mean, Kirk you would. Kirk I mean, Cousins, uh, you would. Right Kirk Cousins, would. would you take Kirk Cousins? Absolutely. Okay. What about? Uh, okay. What about Jordan Love? Speaking That's what I was thinking better. of. That's like yeah. where the line is. I would. I mean, I know we talked about this. I think two weeks ago on Debbie Debate, and Austin kind of shit on me bringing up Jordan Love, but he's a top. Isn't he still a top twelve quarterback in fantasy score? Like, again, he hasn't been playing great for the Packers, but he's still doing good for fantasy. That's all I care about. If you can win a title this year, I'd say so. I, I, I actually do genuinely wonder, like, is Jordan Love going to be starting for a team next year? Um. And will he, and how many years left does he have the starter? But I, I think if you're a team that's ready to win on the NFL side, I would actually, and I'm a big, uh, I'm, I'm not a pro J- Jordan Love at all. I would think I would take that trade. Uh, what about like Sam Howell? What about some uncertain guys like this, like Jordan Love? That's, Sam, that's Howell. another one that I was see. I still like Sam Howell's profile, but he's in his first year as a starter. I, 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 I think I would, to be honest with you, especially in okay. superflex leagues. I think, but the thing is, is I could probably inc- have a trade with Shador Sanders and Sam Howell and have other pieces to yeah. make me feel a better about bit more the trade. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Build it a little more around it. Okay. Let, let's get gross. Baker Mayfield. No. Unless I'm competing mm. for a championship, he's still, I think, he's top 15 right now. Baker, in fantasy scoring, no, 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 no. Baker yes, Mayfield. He is. He top is. 15 he's top 15? Score, I'm almost positive he's, he's top like top 15. 15. In he had some good games. He's not. had some really bad ones the last two, but he, he might be. He's, he's had some really bad ones 20. the last two. And and let's not forget the CFF value that Sadora Sanders gives you. I mean, he that's, is Sadora Sanders is like carrying you to a college championship right now, and they, all they can do is throw. Yeah, I mean, but but the, I think to the point though, right? Like, is the Baker question? I think almost certainly. Like, I I would be right, shocked. He's, he's QB sixteen. I just looked it up. QB wow, 16. It's a pretty good guess. Um, pretty close to top fifteen, but. I think almost certainly, unless somebody hates Shador as much as these guys do, you can get the Baker trade done. Like that's happening, right? Like someone will trade you more than Baker Mayfield, I think is the point. So if you can get in that other range, though, if you can get Jared Goff, if you can get as much as people want to hate on him, Kirk Cousins, Jordan Love, I think even Kenny Pickett. I think these are type of trades that you could make and help your NFL side if if that's the pivot you want to go and get more certainty. Um and those guys aren't even the the sexiest of names, so that's I think that's a uh, something to explore at least. I like it, man. 
This has been a good one. I'm glad we got you two on. Uh, let's not wait so long to do this again, right? Whether it's an AMA, whatever, we'll fi- we'll figure it out. Right? Yeah, we man. need the four-way on. Even though I'm catching strays from both of these guys, and even Austin isn't safe. He's not even here, and Austin's catching strays from these two. <laughs> no one is safe. Adam, another episode of Canton Bound Down. We'll see everybody back here, same time, same place next week. A bit, Again, big shout-out to Matt Bruning, Felix Sharp for hopping on. Appreciate y'all, It's man. been a good one. It's been a good one. I like this discussion and, and look forward to uh, Adam and I firing up more C2C leagues. And, you know, we'll be in your DMs asking you a billion questions. And uh, one of these times, we're going to get in a best ball league together, right? We're going to put our money where our mouth say. is. Yeah. And, uh, in the DMs, like, I mean, hey, are we you already ready got to four compete, spots out of you know? 12 filled. Look, like, we're good. <laughs> we got a third of the league. I'm sure we could find eight other people. Hopefully, they're fish. <laughs> like, I want to steal some fish money. <laughs> I don't got, want to have to I mean, work too hard. You've got three good players and one fish in the league already, so you're good to go. Oh my! I'll let you guys. I'll let you guys. So you got. So you got in like that for real? For real? I, think I was until you started speaking. I thought that was going to be a perfect end of the show. <laughs> That's going to do it for Kent Bound. Uh, before we escalate this and get canceled, and Austin never lets us back. We appreciate everybody. Uh, Adam and I will see you back here same time, same place next week. Peace. Peace.